NEI Hoops Report, the number one rated NEI basketball coverage in the world, is proud to present the Road to Muni podcast with Junior and Pat. Hello, NEI Hoops Nation, and welcome to the Road to Muni podcast, episode eight. Uh, we're currently in season three, which is uh, just crazy that uh, this is about to be halfway point, uh, not just of the, of the NEI season, but the halfway of our podcast season as well. Uh, on this episode today, you are, we are going to, Pat and I are going to uh, just kind of review the the top 25 uh, action from the last couple of weeks. We do have a top 25 poll coming out. The, our our NAI Hoops Report one will be out uh, or, or is out on Sunday night. And then uh, we will turn around and have uh, the coaches poll that will be out on Thursday. So uh, big week ahead. I know it's been about a month since the last polls come out. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how the coaches poll shakes out. Uh, this week. Um, then we will bring on uh, Coach Ryan Arrowhead from uh, Rio Grande. Uh, he is, his uh, Red Storm are, are playing really, really good basketball as of late. Uh, so we want to bring them on as they lead the uh, River States at, or River States Conference uh, right now. And then if we will finish it up with our very popular segment of the Stock Rising Report. As always, I uh, just want to bring in our co-host, uh, Pat Dirksen. Pat, how you doing, man? Good man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's uh feels kind of like a, a fresh start to the NAI season. You know, we talked a lot last week or a couple episodes ago about about the transfer. So excited to see how this this second semester shakes out. We're we're uh coming down to the wire here in conference play. Some teams kind of starting to run away uh, from not I wouldn't say run away, but they're starting to get comfort some cushion in their lead. And then we have other leagues that uh, you lose one game, you go from first to fifth. So yeah, it's, yeah. Is uh there, there's plenty of great action. It's not just the top twenty five games out there. There's games up and down the the league or up and down in each league. Um, it just matters so much right now. So, uh, it's gonna be fun to watch play out the rest of the season. I know this is. Um, I know uh, we probably overuse it as much, but I know one of your favorite lines is this is the best time of year. Um, and as we come down the home stretch of the regular season, uh, this is such a fun time of year for sure. Yeah, the best time of the year is when the season starts, and then the best time of the year is when the season gets going, and then the best time of the year is tournament play, and then uh, national tournament play. So, yeah, it's always the best time of the year here on, on the NAI Road to Muni. Well, I'm going to let you get it out of uh, out of early here uh, before yeah. we get into action, but uh, I believe there's a team uh, uh, that you would probably like to talk about here. Yeah, we'll talk about them here. We'll talk about them in the stock risers report, and then we'll stop. Then we'll talk about them again uh, as we look into the next week. But yeah, Holy Cross, red hot. Uh, we talked about transfers that come back. How's it, how's it sound to get the, you know, the program leader in scoring back uh, for the second semester? Storm Cook rejoins Holy Cross, and they've now won four straight. Go on the road and beat San Xavier for the first time uh, in program history. I was fortunate to do the broadcast. Uh, of their game against Judson and Coach McBride was uh, quick to remind me that, that any team that I played for never went on the road and beat St. X. So kudos to Holy Cross getting it done uh, and continuing just to build. And this is it, right? Kind of like you were saying in the conference standings where teams are now vying for whether it be first and second, but but most importantly, like we've talked about, is these teams that, you know, not every league gets every team in the conference tournament. So they they are in a position now where they're fighting for – you know, kind of that last seed. So we'll see that across the country um, where whether it's, you know, battles between the eighth and the ninth team or, you know, 11th and 12th, whatever it might be with teams that are getting in. Um, so, yeah, the, 
the battles don't just exist at the top of the of the league. And we'll have some more of that covered now that we have the website back up and going. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, patience with some of the maintenance that's going on through that. But uh, I think we finally got it sorted out. We're gonna. I uh, have some articles coming out, um, not just uh, the top 25 that many of you are probably reading right now, but uh, we also are going to have uh, a, several league breakdowns that will cover what Pat just talked about with the uh, the uh, current scenes, but also kind of where everybody sits at going into uh, their conference tournament here coming up uh, uh, most part for at the end of February here. So and, and maybe even in early March, but most of the time, most of them are the last part of February. So uh, it's coming down to the last couple of months here and, uh, you know, what was kind of just stick with the CA or CCAC. And I think, uh, uh, you know, a shout out, uh, you, you, I don't know if you're going to cover this in your, uh, in your stock range report either, but uh, uh got to give a shout out to former NBA player D Brown and his yeah. Roosevelt that uh, he, you know, they start off a little bit it, it, as you adjust to new coaching and, and new players that it, it tends to happen. Uh, they came off to a little bit of slow starts of the year, but uh, this is a team that uh, the Laker team that uh, all of a sudden finds themselves at, in first place uh, after Holy Cross knocked off San Xavier. Um, they the Lakers is currently lead the CCAC. Yeah, and now it's it's going to be a dogfight at the top of that league. Like I mean, IUSB, how quickly we forget it, is really talented too. IU Northwest, so I, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking when it comes to the CCAC. But I think that's a good point. We talk about players kind of, you know, trying to figure out playing with each other. A lot of that has to do with the coach too, right? Players adjusting to new coaching styles. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to – it's a lot of that is like lingo, right, where, you know, the coach might think he he is crystal clear and it's it's not exactly clear to the players at first. But now as you see guys getting more comfortable in systems, it, it this is kind of really the turning point for that, right, where guys are like, okay, now we've got to figure it out. Now we're all kind of getting on the same page. And now you can really get rolling as you head uh, into the second half of the season. Well, and I, I think that that's a good segue. I mean, into two teams that I think that are, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they're, they're two two of the two tradition rich programs. Uh, both have the number one and number two longest top twenty five streaks in the country. Uh, both a couple of weeks ago, we weren't sure they were going to hold on to a top twenty five spot. Yeah. You know, kind of what we talked about. Both are have some new players coming in and uh, adjusting to, to coaching and different things like that. But William Penn and Indiana Wesleyan right now, um, you know, Indiana Wesleyan uh, coming off a big top five win against Grace. Um, and then, you know, William Penn, who, who's in a familiar spot, as, as a, I think they've won four straight and five of the last six heart title, heart of America titles. And uh, they're finding themselves in first place again. So, um, you know, two teams that kind of we coming into the season, uh, you just weren't, you know, you, you knew they, you, you had a feeling they would be good, but they, you just didn't know what was going on, go on. Um, they lost a couple games early and now uh, both these coaches, Greg Congo and, and John Henry have their teams playing some really good basketball right now. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny as the Packers are playing right now, you know, they got off to a slow start and it's like, Oh, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to lead them to the playoffs. It's like, of course, William Penn and Indiana Wesleyan are, are going to be fighting for top spots or at the top spot. Uh, in their league, and of course they're going to be in the top twenty-five, and of course they'll make the national tournament. It's like I pity the fool who ever doubted, <laughs> you know. And so that that tradition, rich and, and kind of consistency, and, and you know, I think one thing that maybe isn't talked about enough is guys that are almost forced to become leaders, right? Guys that are almost you know not necessarily comfortable being the vocal leader, but have to step up and be that vocal leader. And now you're seeing guys settle into that 
that role where it's like, okay, this is my team. Maybe you, you've been with this program for a while. You haven't been, you know, an all American or an all league player, but now all of a sudden you find yourself in a leadership role. It's like, okay, I, I've got control of this ship here. The coach is like, I've got control of this ship too. And now we're really kind of rowing all together. Yeah. And then it's, it just like you said, we, we've, we've said it, uh, you know, it's a fun time of year just because you're starting to see a lot of that come together. And, uh, you know, we've, we're going to see Langston add uh, a new player. Something we've talked about for a while. Um, a, a player that was, that was very important to their uh, deep run last year at Talladega. Uh, I know that uh, I look across the board. I mean, you got Jake Omer, who uh, who had just came off a big game at Georgetown. And I know he's like, uh, I jokingly you know, say that, you know, he's like 30 years old right now. Um, I, I think he's been playing uh, basketball. Like, God, I think he's been at Georgetown for for, for four or five years, uh, I know he sat out a couple of years uh, due to some stuff, but uh, um, you know you got guys like him coming back, and uh, William Penn added two guys at, at break, and uh, Arizona Christians getting Des Flowers a third back uh, off of injury from all first semester, and uh, you just look up and down the the, the top twenty five even, but even all the way across the country, and um, it, you know it's it's some of these players that are uh, coming back or 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 are getting added to teams that are already good and and we've talked about it uh, obviously uh, throughout the year that um that's that's always an x factor uh, this time of year as well just how, what impact do these players that uh, didn't play for a semester what impact do they make on the teams that they're joining up on yeah and not to we joked about the holy cross thing but the storm cook edition is similar to that where holy cross brought in 11 new guys this year and it's that is hard to do. That's hard to get guys to gel. That's hard to get guys to understand how the system works. And to bring a guy in like Storm Cook that played starters minutes for four years, he's able to kind of step in and be an immediate coach on the floor. And so if you can get a returner back that's comfortable in that system, that's maybe been away from the program or, you know, whatever it is, this whole situation with the COVID eligibility has made college athletics and the NAI in particular so unique and kind of so like, how is this guy even really still playing? But it's awesome to see him playing. And so I think you're seeing these guys come back and make an immediate impact on the court and kind of, you know, in the stat sheet, but also able just to get guys in the flow and understanding the system that much better. Yeah, and and going off of two guys we just talked about, I mean, you, you talk about Storm Cook. I mean, when, when uh, you know, Holy Cross made the national tournament two years ago, uh, you know, he was a big part of that team. So that experience of, of – knowing what it is to fight for a postseason spot and um, things like that can, can go a long ways. And, uh, and then you look at Jake Omer uh, at Georgetown again, uh, a guy that uh, was on their undefeated uh, or I believe they're undefeated or one lost team in 2020, uh, but they were ranked number one in the, in the nation going to the tournament before the COVID canceled that, that tournament. Um, there's a lot of people that, that thought that, you know, they may have been the team to beat. Obviously at number one, they, they may have been, Number or the top team to beat there, but uh, uh, you know he Jake Omer was a big time scorer on that team and, and a Division One transfer from Western Kentucky that year, and um, you know I believe he had thirty two uh, the other night uh, coming back or he's been back for a couple games now, but uh, finally got it looks like he got in the rhythm a little bit, uh, helping them come up with a big win against Freed Hardman in a top twenty five showdown uh, this past weekend. And for us, you know, we talked about some of these teams that maybe adding some new pieces, but then you know another big factor is just guys that are too. Uh, Two teams in particular, but, you know, I'll, I'll talk about uh, uh, two teams uh, who we have at the top of our rankings right now. Um, and, and they're just system guys that continue to bring in guys for four years. And and uh, they're playing really good basketball. And that's College of Idaho and Oklahoma Wesley. And um, 
you know, we've talked talked about College of Idaho quite a bit. Just defensively, you know, one of the best teams as well. Um, and then you turn around Oklahoma Wesleyan, and, and they, they got Jaden Leitsky and Stephen Stokes, who are former All-Americans and and uh, playing like All-Americans again this year. And, uh, you know, College of Idaho, who, who lost that first game of the year to, to Arizona Christian and, and almost made a big comeback, a uh, double-figure comeback late in that game to, to try to win that game, um, you know, playing the best basketball right now, in, in, our, in my opinion, uh, uh, in the NEI and, and – uh, uh, we'll see where they're at in the coaches poll, but I would I would have a have a hard time thinking that they don't move to number one spot this week. Yeah, that college Idaho team, they feel like a team on a mission, right? It, it's like sometimes teams just teams just have that feel where you know they're able to control games and, and kind of impose their will, and you see them both do it on both ends. Um, and I agree, like they they are deserving of a number one ranking. They are as dangerous as a team you're going to find. Uh, in the NAI at this point, at this moment, I don't want to say that they were forgotten about, but uh, you know they had a new head coach and uh, lost three of their best players uh, uh, last year. Um, obviously, all the Division One programs, um, but a Loyola team. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about the defending national champions a ton on this uh, podcast, but uh, uh, shame on us, probably because uh, you know they are now riding a twenty-four game uh, Southern States Athletic Conference uh, win streak. They coming off a big uh, win on Saturday against uh, Faulkner, who was who was a top ten team in the country at that point. Um, and the Wolfpack, you know, just to, you know, I don't want to say that everybody wrote them off a little bit, but uh, they're they're kind of over there, they're down there in uh, in Louisiana and uh, shouting out, "Don't forget about us!" And and uh, uh, for those people that have forgotten about them, they they're starting to make noise again at thirteen and two. Yeah, and you talked about you know the ability to have guys understand what it takes to win, understand what it takes, you know, to be a national championship and make the national tournament. And, you know, that, that's what you get, right? As just the, as the you know, returning champion. You, you naturally get that. And so having a, a mature roster, obviously they lost some guys and they lost their coach, but having some experience there, you know, to understand what this stretch is about, what, what these league games are about late in the season, it's invaluable. It truly, truly is. It, it's difficult to navigate the uh, ebbs and flows of a season with a young roster. It's difficult to understand, you know, the importance of games at this moment, right? And and some guys, like I, I saw it when I was playing, didn't understand, you know, the importance of these games and what they did for conference tournament seating. And, and to have guys just be able to talk about you know situations and scenarios i think are real life conversations obviously you just want to focus one game at a time but you know it needs to be talked about like hey this game here's what's on the line for this game right and obviously you're competing for every game but to understand what actually is happening and how things work is is really really important in my opinion yeah and, and just a uh big shout out to donald ray as the head coach at loyola just uh uh Coming in and and uh, you know it's uh, it, it's hard to take over a team that won national championship uh, when you lose a lot of your pieces too. But uh, um, just a or just a tremendous job that he has done so far this year. And um, him and Javon Felix, uh, who's the assistant coach there, who uh, uh, you know came over from the University of Texas, uh, heck of a career at Texas, and then went pro for a while. But uh, um, you know, Echo Staff and then Andrew Andrew Fava, who. Uh, actually played on their national title team as an assistant over there too. But I just want to give a shout out to their coaching staff. I, I think that, uh, again, um, you know, probably shame on us to not talk about them enough uh, this year, but it's time to give them the respect that they've earned. 
uh, definitely want to give them a shout out. And, um, you know, as you look across the, the, even the top 25 and even the fringe top 25 teams here, um, you know, and, and even looking across some of the standings, um, we're, we're going to talk uh, uh, again with, with Coach Arrowhead here at uh, Iowa, but, uh, um, you know, the, the Red River Athletic Conference, uh, we saw an IU Kokomo team last year uh, who was very, very talented and we talk about, talked about quite a bit. Um, and, and they made a deep run uh, all the way to Kansas City last year. And uh, as you're looking through teams, you know, that could possibly, you know, surprise some teams in the national tournament this year, uh, I think that Rio team's a, a team that uh, uh, you kind of got a circle right now. Uh, you know, they they have two two players that uh, – well, they have a lot of group of players that, uh, um, you know, have some big-time experience. And uh, Caleb Levins and, and uh, Mickey Taddock are, are two guys that are – uh, you know, they've been kind of banged up in their career, really, really good careers. And um, I think that Rio team as a French top 25 team, maybe a team we circle now and, uh, you know, we'll see what they, how they can finish the season. But uh, that, the sorry, the, uh, not the Red River, but the uh, River States Conference is, is something that we need to start paying attention. You know, we've talked about, Pat, uh, several of these teams that have, have also looked uh, really, really good. Um, but then you have some, I think, really good teams and really talented teams um, who, who I don't want to say struggling because they have really good records right now. Uh, teams that maybe are trending a little bit downward a little bit in Arizona Christian and uh, Faulkner. And, and I know Arizona Christian, uh, you, you talk about a Firestorm team uh, that is ultra talented, but they have not played a single game this year uh, at full strength. And, and I know that some people, uh, you know, maybe don't like to talk about or, or discuss or, or use that as an excuse as, as injuries, but uh um, you, you know, when you're talking about your, your, one of your top lean score or top returning lean scores, Devin Bauer, uh, who missed the all first semester due to injury. And then uh, here lately, they've been without AJ Johnson, who's an All-American and uh, GSAC Defensive Player of the Year uh, last season. Uh, you know, those are pretty impactful guys. And, um, I, you know, that GSAC, t- that GSAC conference is something we've talked about a lot, but um, and, and we'll talk more deep because uh, that crowded uh, field to get to make their conference tournament is going to get crazy here soon. But um, you know, Arizona Christian going out to California is never easy when you're when the Arizona team travel out there. Uh, you know, they dropped another one this past weekend, but uh, a team that is, you know, certainly probably a top three team talent wise. Uh, you know, it's starting to it's probably going to drop in the rankings a little bit this week. And then you have Faulkner, who uh, um, I think is another team. Uh, you know, back to back trips to Kansas City and uh, super talented with C.J. Hines and and Trace Hill and company, but uh, another team that is. Uh, Couple games, uh, you know, over the last month, and uh, you know, are going to probably drop in the rankings. But uh, two teams that I think that, um, you know, just kind of talking about that Loyola team, that we forgot about a little bit. You know, make sure you don't forget about these two teams. That drop the rankings because just because they may be down a little bit right now does not mean they're they're going to be far from out because uh, these two teams are, are certainly teams that are going to probably make a late run, late season run, uh, to get themselves back probably in the top ten ish. Uh, you know, for, for Faulkner, and, and uh, I could see Arizona Christian uh, playing well enough late to get themselves. Uh, we'll see where they're at this week in the rankings, but um, see if they can get themselves back in the top three maybe by uh, the national tournament time. Yeah, when you think about Arizona Christians, you know, specifically, and not ever being at full strength, I, that just – it makes it really difficult to navigate a season that way, right, where you don't know who's in, who's out, what the lineup's going to be, who's starting. You know, it's just – having no consistency it's hard to get any sort of rhythm and then it's almost like say you do get healthy now you got this whole brand new roster that you're trying to figure out and 
you know, navigating the GSAC is never easy. And we'll get to a little spoiler alert here. Menlo is the next team they have up on their schedule who is red hot, right? And then they got to play William Jessup right after that. But one thing that, that you look at here, which is unique at this point in the schedule, is they Arizona Christian just lost to Vanguard on the 7th of January. They don't play again until the 12th. And so that little mini break there at this point in the season is kind of rare, right? So often, like when we were in the CCAC, it was Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday for, you know, the entire second semester. And so having just a few days off can go such a long way. I think especially after a loss, it, it allows you just to take a breath, right? It allows you to just kind of refocus, recenter, understand that, that what is still at stake here and, you know, what the mission is. And, and that it feels like a well, if you could ever say a well-timed loss, a, a well-timed loss here for Arizona Christian to regroup uh, and kind of recenter. Yeah, and that's something to, to – I mean, it's a great point because it's, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about conference scheduling even – um, you know, you have several of these uh, uh, leagues that uh, travel and they end up playing, you know, Thursday, Saturday or Friday, Saturday games. Um, and, and, yeah, if you lose that second game of that, you know, lose that Saturday game, uh, you know, you basically have a full week to recover back or you're right. Some of these uh, uh, other leagues that uh, maybe play uh, Monday, Thursday or, or Wednesday, Saturday, uh, you know, you, you lose one on Wednesday and then you got about only got a day really to to bounce back and recover. And then you got to start focusing on the next team uh, uh, for scout reporting or scouting report and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, some of these leagues uh, schedules, it's, it's always fascinating to watch the difference between the leagues. And uh, um, like you said, uh, you know, maybe that does have something to do or it does have a, a little bit of a relaxing point for them to kind of get back home and, and uh, from, from a, from a long California trip, get back home and uh, you know, regroup at home and then, uh, fix whatever they need to fix and then get back to it this week. So, um, yeah, I, I always, I always uh, love watching the different dynamics of, of the leagues because I do think that some of that does have a toll and uh, not just travel in general. I know that some of these teams are, are traveling uh, sometimes nine, 10, 12 hours to play a conference game. And, and that's never easy in itself. But, yeah. uh, um, you know, when you're traveling, like, like a team like Arizona Christian, they just traveled back to, to California and I believe they get to come home and play two home games this week now. And I'm sure that they're, uh, they're ready for that. Yeah. And typically it was like, we would play on Wednesday and Thursday was either off or a light day. And then Friday, you know, you're on to the Saturday scout. Right. And so it's just like the season was so fast at this point, but yeah, like you said, the opportunity to just kind of get home, take a breath, refocus. Uh, I think at this point in the season, we'll do them wonders. Well, we talked about Ryo uh, already a little bit in here, and and uh, um, you know I think it's it's to uh, we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper uh, here with Coach Arrowhead here shortly. But uh, um, a team that I I like playing or like watching a lot, uh, a team that I think I think that you know just dive into the River States a little bit here. You know IU Kokomo and and even a Point Park team that's a little bit surprised. Uh, they have a new coach this year as well, and um, you know they're sitting at thirteen and four themselves, and and uh, I think this. This uh, conference race out here is going to be fun to watch, uh, and it'll be interesting to talk. But uh, um, you know, it's probably a good segue into our, our coaches speak series. Uh, so we'll go ahead and bring on uh, Coach Ryan Arrowhead from Ryo Gray. We are here with uh, Ryan Arrowhead, uh, head men's basketball coach at uh, Ryo Grand Red Storm. Uh, coach, before we get going into this, I know that uh, 
uh, you know, Ryo has such great tradition uh, up and down and uh, years and years and years. And, and you look around and, uh, you know, probably a staple in, in small college basketball. You just want to talk about some of the tradition uh, that Ryo and, and what mean, what being head coach there means? Uh, 100%. It's, it's a small college basketball culture unlike any other. And I, I won't go too much into it, but – you know, anybody that's a basketball enthusiast needs to really research the story of Bevo Francis. And, you know, you hear the stories about his 113 points. And, you know, when when, when the young man uh, from the D3 school broke it, you kind of thought maybe that would take his story a little bit. But it was so much more complex than just that. You know, uh, you know his 113 points are impressive. The 116 he scored the few weeks prior to that, it's impressive too. But what his team did – for the university, you know, the university was about to close, you know, it, it was 89 students. It was a small private, uh, you know, basically teachers college and it was about to close. And, you know, what Bevo Francis and, and, and Newt Oliver and that, that team was able to do save the university. And then that following year, they played 29 road games uh, and they didn't just play, you know, teams. So deep Bevo could score. They, you know, they played multiple Division One. They sold out Madison Square Garden. They played one of the toughest schedules in the country. Every game was on the road. Um, and he still averaged over 50 points. Broken Pistol Pete's record had he been an NCAA affiliate, even though he was playing, you know, Division One team. So he would hold the all-time scoring record, uh, scoring 3,000 points in two years. Um, and in a time when the gambling scandal had really hit college basketball and there was a big black eye on it, he kind of saved college basketball and he was this great story from this small school, you know, received an NBA contract, but he made more money to go to work. And that's that story. I was blessed to be a player when those guys were still alive and they were still able to come back. And you find out what the real story is, is what college basketball is really all about and how a group came together and worked together and, you know, Bevo was the most humble 50-point scorer to ever play the game of basketball. And, you know, w what they meant to each other, how they respected each other, um, it, it, it's truly remarkable. And it's everything you want out of small college basketball. Um, and then you look over the history of Rio, you know, many good programs. We've had so many good runs, you know. Uh, Final Four run in 2001 was the school's only Final Four appearance. Uh, back and forth in the national tournament. We had an 18-year lapse there where we didn't make the national tournament. We got back in 2021. Um, and, and just you've got to be on our campus. Anybody who loves basketball, I invite them to come to the Bevo Francis weekend. Um, his wife still comes. Um, that there's just an appreciation from everyone that's ever went to Rio um, because without that team, there's not a there's not a Rio Grand left. So um, it, it's definitely one of the unique stories in small college basketball anywhere in the country. Well, I know uh, I know I love the history because I love watching NBA basketball and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know I, I know I know Pat over there uh, being an Indiana guy uh, can appreciate the history too. So, uh, Coach, I, I uh, yeah appreciate the history lesson there and uh, just kind of jumping into your season here. Uh, um, you know, you guys started off the, the season uh, losing three of your first four ball games. Um, but, man, you guys have been really cooking since. Um, even even the, your only loss here in the last 
I believe, uh, last 12 games here uh, was a four-point loss to a very, very good Marion ball club. Um, you just want to kind of touch, touch base on uh, your season to this point? I mean, yeah, um, love our team. Um, you know, started out one and three, um, and I'm not an excuse guy, um, but never did we hit the panic button. We, we knew this team had a chance to be very, very good. We knew it was talented. Uh, but we also knew we had some younger guys playing in some really big roles. Um, you know, we, we start two freshmen. Um, you know, we've got another freshman given huge minutes. Like Cody, who's been a big part of us, but he had to learn our culture and how we wanted to do things. So, um, and we played a very tough schedule uh, to start the season. And, you know, um, our, our third game of the year versus Campbellsville, um, you know, they went through the line 38 times. That's the most a team's ever went to the free throw line against against one of our teams or any team I've ever coached. So, um, you know, we, we didn't play horribly. It's just some of those things that happen. Um, and then this team got really, really hot. And, uh, you know, we've won 12 of our last 13. We're 7-0 in league play. Um, even our last loss before that, you know, we lose uh, in overtime in a game we held our opponent to 59 points. We just go six for 37 from the three by far the worst shooting night we've had. So this team's a very talented team. The record could be even better, I think. But I think we needed those losses. I think those guys need to taste that. Um, We get better every time we get a chance together. Uh, Marion got us late. I I thought we really played well for the majority of that game. We had a couple moments where we could have extended leads that, you know, a good veteran team like Marion doesn't let you do. Uh, They had a couple guys step up and make shots. I think if Marion shoots the three over 35 or 40%, they're probably going to be in the, in the final four. So great lesson for us, but uh, we, we love where this team's at. We've got veteran leadership, young guys, hungry um, talent and shot making. So uh, really excited for, for what we could do in January, February. Coach, you mentioned the, the start of your season starting, you know, one and three and a bunch of young guys. How do you get, you know, those young guys to under, not hit the panic button, like you said. So how do you get them to just kind of stay the course, you know, trust the process, if you will, and just kind of keep believing? Oh, it, you know, they, to be honest, it's tough for me to do that. Um, but they earned my trust um, in the recruiting process, how they handled the summer, how they handled the preseason. Um, you know, there was no reason for us to panic because they're everyday guys, as cliche as that sounds. Like, they work. They're in the gym. They don't make excuses. You know, there, there was never a time when we weren't playing good that we made an excuse. Even our last game, you know, we won a game in the conference, but we didn't play great. And they don't hold excuses. They know it. They hold themselves to that standard. So it was easy not to press the panic button. Um, we just knew we needed to get to work. Uh, failure is a good part uh, of growth. So with our young guys, it was good they got to experience that early. Um, and just their demeanor. We've got the right kids, you know, and, and – you know, we we love our returners, but, you know, at times last year we knew we didn't have the right kids. So, um, you know, we had trust in them. We knew they were going to fight. So it was just a process of getting better every single day. Um, and, you know, we're reaping the benefits of that now. Um, but now also it's easy when they have talent. <laughs> Caden Warner's right. not your typical freshman. Trent Humley's not your typical freshman. Uh, Trey Robertson's not your typical freshman. So when you've got those guys, it's really easy not to panic. And also when you've got Shiloh Blevins and Mickey Tadich, uh, who are the leaders and show up every day the way they are, you know, it just makes my job pretty easy. 
Coach, and, and, you know, just jumping in off of what you just said with the player-wise, uh, I, I know Mike Cody, um, the transfer from Brian, uh, brings you your only senior on the team this year. And um, I also know that Shiloh and, and uh, Mickey, like you're talking about, um, kind of been banged up throughout their career. So I nice to see them fully healthy. Um, can you just talk about maybe what, what uh, uh, Shiloh and Mickey bring to a team, uh, to your team now that they've got that experience? And, um, you know, they were they were part of that. Uh, you know, you, get, you got three good freshmen now, and you can talk about that. Well, uh, but they've been uh, really, really good since their freshman season as well. And now they're starting to get healthy. And, um, I think it's really brought your team to the next level. Yeah. You know, our first year in the program, uh, Mickey and Shiloh were just uh, phenomenal. And, and they were, you know, one of the best one-two punches in the country. Um, you know, and we had really good pieces to go around them. And, uh you know, last year, you know, we made the national tournament run in our first year. Both of them got injured in the conference tournament. Mickey didn't even get a play. Shiloh was probably 50%. Um, last year, Shiloh was never healthy. It was his back. It was his ankle. It was his knee. He was never healthy at one time the entire year and had to play 37 minutes a game. And, and Mickey had a solid year, but it was, you know, the coverages that he saw. And no one's going to be able to be great given our offensive limitations we had last year. So it wasn't for, fair to them. Um, we knew we, we had to bring in some more talent. We knew, uh, you know, we had to develop some of our talent. So with those guys, if they have, you know, comparable pieces around them, um, they're just almost impossible to guard one-on-one. -on -one. You know, Shiloh's a throwback player. He's a mid-range guy. Uh, you know, the shots that everybody says are low percentage shot. You know, Synergy just came out with a new thing, right? Uh uh, quality of shots and the percentages of times that shot's supposed to go in. Well, Shiloh just blows it out of the water. <laughs> you know, the you know he's only supposed to score like seven point you know point seven eight uh, points per possession, and he's like one point oh two. So he's just a, a throwback shot maker from the mid range. If he gets to a spot, there's not much you can do about it. Very improved defender, uh, Mickey Tadich as complete of an offensive player, um, you know, as I've coached, uh, does a little bit of everything, really efficient in the ball screen, great shooter, can post up a mismatch, got a lot of Luka Doncic in his game. Um, and, you know, that's their skill, but just the way they work, how dedicated they are, um, how they handled a rough season for us last year. You know, there's no there's no big mistake or mystery of why we went to the national tournament one year. You know, we're trending upwards towards that this year. It's because of those two guys. Yeah, and it's uh, that, that experience, uh, you know, even though they didn't get to play, then, you know, just make it, uh, it should help you down the stretch as well. And um, speaking down the stretch, I mean, you come up basically in the heart of River State's conference play right now. Um, you know, looking up and down the standings, you had an IU Kokomo team last year uh, who we talked about quite a bit. I know that they weren't maybe – uh, well known across the country, and shame on it, shame on everybody else. And that's part of the reason why we're bringing you on this year. Uh, coming off a big win against IU Kokomo this past weekend, um, and then you got teams that uh, uh, even in their own division here, uh, you know, West Virginia Tech team who's known to win a lot. They've been pretty banged up this year, uh, and then a Point Park that's having a big year uh, with Bill Valerie and and uh, Kyrie Coates, who I think are phenomenal players as well. Um, you know, the, the River Space Conference has the talent that has a, a lot of good teams. Uh, just want to talk about maybe the league a little bit. And yeah, you guys may have to stop me here because I'm about to get on my soapbox a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and this is not to disrespect other leagues. Um, 
but you, uh, I, and it is, it is what it is. We understand that. We, we know we have to do what we have to do. But now at some point, we've got to get our heads out of the sand and we got to look and see that the top of this league is really, really good. So let's go back. And I, I can only speak for the last three years, but, you know, we go back to the last three years where everything's one division. Shawnee State lost two games and won a national championship. One of those games was on their home court, and it was to us, okay? And West Virginia Tech played them closer than anybody else played them for the entire tournament. So that was that year. William Penn, one loss on the season, overall number one seed. IU Kokomo goes in there in the round 32 and beats them last year. So it's not like we're not proven. It's not like we're not battle-tested. You know, West Virginia Tech has been a very good team for the last three years. Like you said, they've got some injuries. IU Kokomo, what they did last year, I think should kind of put our league a little bit uh, on the front. And then you look what we've done in the non-conference. You know, IU Kokomo lost at the buzzer in a game. They beat Union. Union hit the three-quarter shot to beat them, um, or else IU Kokomo should be in the top 25. Um IU East has struggled a little bit in our league, but you look at some of their non-conference and what they've done to teams who are at the same level of power conferences, you know, uh, I think that goes, our league usually has to go on the road. Um, You brought up Point Park. If you don't play Point Park, you just don't understand how good they are, especially in Pittsburgh. (laughs) So, you know, that's a team where they go on the road. It's tough to win on the road at other places, gyms. I understand that, but I'd love to see some teams go into Pittsburgh and play Point Park right now. Um, You look at our league, we're adding Shawnee State next year. So if you look at our league, we have five of the top 22 defenses in the country. You know, we're 22nd, Kokomo's 18th. Point Park, I think, is number one. Midway's number 11. Uh, I think Shawnee's number 16. So, you know, it's maybe not a sexy brand of basketball, but it's very, very East Coast of, it's it is grimy. It is hard nosed, especially come January and February. Um, our league is very very physical. Um, that's why when teams come to our place, the way our game is officiated is just a little bit different. Um, and I think it's hard for teams to play there. Um, so um, it, it listen. This is a great league. Um, it is getting better. I'm also not going to sit here and lie. The bottom of our league has not been great in the past. Um, that's not the case right now. It just continues to get better. Um, you know, IU East, IU Southeast, obviously uh, very, very good team. So we've got some depth. Alice Floyd was just very disrespected last year. I know they didn't play a great non-conference schedule, but, you know, four losses, two wins versus Tech, and IU Kokomo should have got them in the tournament. Yeah, I and mean, you talked about the early team, even the Russia's team this year, surprised uh, a few teams already. So. Uh, very, very deep, you know, as you, and I talk about it a lot, uh, some of these bigger conferences like your, your league is, uh, um, you know, you have to appreciate the grind a little bit better just because, you know, there are so many dang league games and, and uh, you for you guys, there's a lot of travel in that league as well. And, and, and there's other leagues that travel, you know, 10, 15 hours for road games as well. But um, just the, the, as big as the league you have, as many league games you have, and, uh, and as much travel can be difficult sometimes uh you know i think that's something that, that i took note on with iu kokomo last year and uh just the 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 grind they had towards the end of the year last year i know that they uh they were kind of a, a weird team that would uh you know sometimes blow some 15 20 point leads and, and still find a way to win but uh, yeah. uh you know I, I see a lot of that uh, in the river states conference like you talked about that just that defensive tough 
uh, mindset that uh, um, it's just a different brand brand of basketball. And, uh, you know, I certainly know that there are a lot of teams uh, when they get matched up in the opening rounds uh, with, with the whatever, however it is, the two automatic bids or if you get a third team in, um, you know, it's not a team that you want to see uh, in opening round, the team that's actually going to down and guard you. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, we rebound, we defend, we get after it. And then if you look at our league over the last few years, and, you know, even before I got the job here at Rio, I was a finalist for a job in the league. So I, I was following the league very, very heavy over the last four years. It's real simple. The teams that are best in this league, they're old, they're veterans, they're mature, they've been through it, they know what it takes to win, um, and, and there's continuity there. You know, there's no re there's no real big surprise of why, you know, we're having the success we're having this year. When you look at six of our top seven rotation guys last year are back, they're older, they're smarter, they're better. So uh, it, it, it makes us a better team. When Tech was good in this league, they were veteran, they were old, they'd been through it. Kokomo had three fifth-year seniors who had been through it. So, um, you know, the, this league is a league that can perform uh, when it comes to the biggest time. You know, Kokomo going to the Sweet 16 last year, we had hoped it opened some eyes. So we think we're at least a three-bid league, um, but that's out of our control. So, you know, we're just – we're doing everything we can to handle our business. Yeah, and, and Coach, as we come down to the wire here, what is that? What what do you have to do to finish this thing out and end this season with, with a, a regular season league championship? Well, you know, we, we – you know, we've got to do what we say and we preach on a daily basis. And that's just get better today. You, you can't, you start putting pressure, you know, now every game we play carries a little more weight because now we control our own fate, you know? And I think if you start doing that, you put too much pressure on it and lose sight of what it is. And it's just about competing every day. So um, it's real simple. If we want to, if we want to do what we want to do, we've got to get better tomorrow in practice. So that we have a chance to go to Midway and play our best basketball. Um, and we're a confident team. We think if we play our best basketball, we think we should we should be able to win every game we play from here out. And that's kind of been our mindset the whole year. And if we lose, we're able to, to learn something. And if it's our fault, then we've got to grow from that. If someone beat us, then we just got to get better. So um, we just got to continue to get better every day. We've got to stay healthy. Um, and you've got to be able to do that with managing some things. You know, you, practice time's got to go down a little bit, right? Because it's physicality. You're playing every Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Saturday, sometimes Thursday, Saturday. You've got a lot of travel. So um, you just have to be ready to mentally, emotionally, physically bring your best every single day. And the days you have a chance to practice, we've got to get better. Um, you know, this team has been really good on both ends of the floor. We're making shots at a high level. So uh, we've just, we just got to continue that, and, uh, and, and we think we can take care of business. But We've got so much respect for everybody else in our league. You know, Kokomo um, obviously was on the top of the West Division. We won a big head-to-head -head battle. Um, you know, Point Park is now 5-2. and two. Midway, who we're going to play, is 5-2. and two. IU East continues to get better. If West Virginia Tech gets healthy, we know they're a team that can make a run. So, um, you know, we, we, we've just got to continue to take care of what we can control and, and play around basketball. Well, winners of twelve of your last thirteen games, Coach. I know that uh, uh, I know that you guys will take it one game at a time here the rest of the way out. But uh, um, I know February, looking in, uh, I'm looking at your schedule right now. Four of the five games at home, uh, which has got to be feel nice. I know you guys are getting ready to hit uh, a tough road here coming up. But 
um, with February, maybe some momentum, being able to get some momentum heading into the the River Stage Conference Tournament, um, and then maybe hopefully see you guys in the NAFS Tournament as well. So, um, Coach, best of luck to you guys. I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing about some Ohio basketball. And uh, I know that uh, if, for everybody that's listening to, to the podcast today, I know we say it a lot, but uh, uh, if you're not starting to pay attention to to some of these teams out east. Uh, you know, Rio's Rio's starting to make some noise and the league that's made some noise in that tournament the last couple of years. I, I appreciate you guys. Again, uh, not just words. Thank you so much for what you do for NAI basketball. Um, I, I've, I've seen a lot of basketball. I've, I've been blessed to, you know, be involved with about every level of basketball you can be involved in. Um, this is the purest form of basketball at the scholarship level I think we have. So, Everything you guys do, I thank you so much. And uh, like everybody, we're, we're we're trying to be playing our best basketball come March. That is Ryan Arrowhead for Rio Grande Basketball. It's currently sitting at thirteen and four on the year, uh, leading the red or leading the River States uh, Conference. Uh, Coach, best of luck to you guys. The Stock Riser Report. Pat, it's uh, everybody's favorite been doing, uh, the Stock Riser Report. Yeah, it all spared everybody another Holy Cross rant, but obviously they, they are as hot as anybody. Um, but I want to start out west with Menlo, a team we talked about just briefly earlier is, is a team that's now won five straight out uh, in the GSAC and, and is quickly climbing up the ranks along with, um, we'll go a little twofer here in the GSAC, Ottawa out in Arizona has won six straight. So, we look at those teams vying for, for a conference position. Um, certainly two teams to keep your eye on as you look at the GSAC unfold. Well, I'll stick with the, uh, the my first one, Pat. And, uh, and I'm going to talk about freshmen. You know, we, we've talked about, we've had a lot of good freshmen. And that's the, we talk about the quote unquote fun part of the year. Uh, but the fun part of the year too, is, is just seeing some of these freshmen that are finally getting, making names for themselves. And, um, you know, we've had several freshmen have good games this year, but we're starting to see a lot of the freshmen that, that are starting to have good seasons on the year um, and really become a staple. And, and I think uh, one of the guys that I'm going to mark, uh, like I said, staying out in the GSAC play um, is Cameron or that right. But uh, for, for the, uh, or for the masters Mustangs, um, a kid that uh, uh, just over his last few games here, um, you know, we're looking at, uh, he put up 15 points on, on William Jessup. Uh, he had 18 on Menlo. Um, you know, a kid that's uh, uh, put up 24 on, on Ottawa, uh, University of Arizona, uh, uh, you know, earlier in November. Um, a kid that can really just score the ball, and he's starting to really come into his own here as of late. Um, so just, as you were talking about the, the G-Sack, I figured I'd throw out my first one uh, with the freshman Cameron Oriole. Yeah, and I think that is kind of one of the most rewarding things to see. Uh, particularly at the NAIA level, where, where guys get kind of thrust in right away, right? And it's like, okay, here's the ball, and, and we're going to play, right? And some guys, it takes a little bit, you know, it, it, there's an adjustment period at the start, right? Whether it's, you know, before the season starts or, or, or the first couple games. And then once that second semester hits and kind of, you know, you're at game 10 or whatever it might be, guys really start settling into their own. And just to see guys get more comfortable on the court 
um, and start making a name for themselves is, is awesome to see. And at this point, right, you're not even really a freshman anymore. If you if you've played starters minutes, you're you are you have enough experience now to just kind of continue on. But I'll go for for my second stock riser, uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, a guy that maybe heard our segment where we all but named Mason Walters the National Player of the Year, a guy in Riley Minix, right, who who has been on an absolute tear is averaging 27 and almost 14 um, at this point in the season. So he um, certainly is making a late push here. Um, and we talked about Loyola being like, a, hey, remember me? Here's Riley Minix saying, hey, remember me. Always a big Riley Minix fan. And, uh, yep. Kelsey again, you know, I, I, I know I said a couple episodes again, but uh, so fun to watch. And I know that they're not getting the wins that they, you know, that they thought that they were going to have coming into the season, but uh, um, still one of the, one of the, one of the best players in the country for sure. But uh, just, if you have not watched, if you're listening to this podcast and you need not watch Riley Minix from Southeastern Florida play, uh, do yourself a service and go watch him play. He's just one of the best players in the country, but just so fun to watch as well. Um, speaking of of uh, which, and I'm I'm gonna stick out on the G stack again. I, I I'm not. Uh, you may say you sense of the theme. I'm not gonna do it a fully across the board, but uh, Josiah Del <laughs> Josiah Delacerta is a kid. Um, I know that Ottawa's not. I think they're only in their uh, fifth or sixth year uh, of existence as a basketball program. Uh, but became the all time leading scorer, uh, the All American. Uh, you know, I know as an All American, maybe your stock's not rising, but. I'm going to use this segment just to give a shout out because he came to the program's all-time leading score this past weekend. Um, and I just think that's an awesome accomplishment. So while he he's his stock's always been rising and, and he's always been a good player, um, I, I do think that uh, just anytime you can become a program's leading scorer, uh, it's pretty cool business. So shout out to Josiah uh, Della Serta uh, at Ottawa. Yeah, and my last one isn't necessarily a stock riser. It's more just a quick shout out, right? We know there's a lot of ups and downs and a lot of adversity that comes with the basketball season. Uh, but two programs, especially Oklahoma City and Langston, are really going through something at this point. And their gyms, obviously, it's been well documented on Twitter. Um, you know, with the cold weather, that they, they there was some flooding in their gyms. Oklahoma City sounds like is, is done for the year. Um, Langston might be able to get back into theirs. But just a tough break um, and, and just a tough thing to – to endure here late in the season. So obviously our hearts go out to those two programs. Um, and I, I know they're not the only ones across the country that, that are going through this at this time. I'm going to, that's well said too. And I, and I do feel for all those, uh, uh, not just the coaches, the players in the school. And, um, I, you know, as much as I wish it was like division one, some of these division one programs that were able to, uh, get a new gym in uh, the, a week later. I know that the, these two teams uh, um, are out, you know, Langston, like you said, a couple weeks. And uh, unfortunately, a historic uh, gymnasium over there at Oklahoma City um, who is going to be out uh, the rest of the year out of their own gym. So um, I'm going to flip with the script uh, and, and go a little bit more happy uh, <laughs> with mine. Um, you know, we just talked uh, extensively with Coach Arrowhead about the River States Conference and um, there's two teams. Uh, one is that is the Rio team that that we just talked extensively about. Um, and I know I brought them up earlier uh, as a as a stock riser, maybe the second or third week of the year uh, when they started getting hot. But this Point Park team continues to play well uh, or play uh, really well as well. And uh, Rio and Point Park, um, you know, they, they're not going to play till February. Uh, but right now, number one, number two. 
in the in the uh, River State's East division, uh, but uh, both sitting at thirteen and four on the year. Um, both are really fun to watch, and and I think it's important. I I I think that you know Rio's in Ohio, um, and you're starting to get towards the East Coast. But uh, like Coach Arrow had said. Uh, Point Park is in Pittsburgh, and and uh, outside of Fisher, um, which is in Massachusetts, uh, Point Park is is uh, as about as far in the, in the northeast as as you get as an NEA program. So I think that personally, any time that uh, uh, they they can play well and, and get some of those uh, East Coast recognition and, and some of those players, I know they got a couple of Division One transfers on that team. Um, it's cool to see a team from the Northeast playing really good basketball, just because. I think it's an area that needs, you know, as I've talked to some of the of, uh, uh, people that try to send players around the, the country, um, you know, I, I've talked to guys out of Philadelphia and New York City and and uh, things like that, that, that actually really love the NEI and some of the hurdles that um, there are hurdles all over the country of trying to get players to NEI. Uh, but because of the, there's not many teams out in the Northeast, uh, it's hard to get, you know, hard to understand what NEI basketball is about. So, uh, personally, I, I I cheer for the Rios and the and the Point Parks of the world, and uh, especially the Point Park, who's is further up northeast. I hope that they can have some success, um, and then some of those players out in that area can pay attention to a successful program out there. Um, and, and anytime the NEIA basketball can get spread uh, even into further or further into uh, areas that it's not you know very well known at is a is a positive for us all. So, um, shout out to Point Park. I want to I want to give them another shout out. Um, just from the pure fact that uh, uh, they're having a, third, a great, great season at 13-4, um, and that is very, very good for NEA basketball as a whole. Yeah, that's well said, and I, I think it is. It's it's hard putting out there, right, where, where it's like, okay, the NEI is almost a little bit foreign. We're here in Indiana and here kind of in the Midwest. It, it's far more common. So anything we can do to, to continue to grow this game and stretch the reach that the NEI has is, is – is for the good of the good of the group. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it's funny, and and uh, we can segue out of this a little bit uh, with with this next one. But uh, um, you know, it's funny as you as I get to see a lot of comments running the the Twitter page and social media account, accounts, and um, you, you know, you may see you know I know Arizona Christian and uh, some of the California schools, and and even some of these uh, gyms, uh, uh, you know, like Point Park and others. Uh, uh, get hated on a lot, you know, because their gyms are just not, you know, they're either high school looking gyms or, or whatever. And there's a lot of across the, the Midwest too, but um, it, you know, is there, you got to understand that, you know, I think I saw an Indiana comment a while back that, you know, uh, what's the Indiana saying in, in 49 other states? In, just, in 49 states, it's just basketball, but this is Indiana. Oh, uh, I know Indiana basketball is very proud or, you know, Indianans are very proud when it comes to, to uh to to their basketball and i know a lot of the midwest teams you know as it gets cold you know basketball is an indoor sport so people want to go indoors and that's why basketball is so much more popular and uh i and the east coast northeast obviously gets cold um and, and but you know there's so much more to do out there so there's you know a lot of teams may not or not a lot of people may not flock to some of those games and then you know down down south a lot of those programs are from warm climates and then you know you know, all due respect to to everybody in California and and uh, on the coast and stuff. You know, there's I'm sure there's people that would rather be out on a boat or you know I, I know we talked to Coach Curry early early on in the year. You know, yeah. he, you know people uh, are sometimes late to their games because you know they're they're parking their boats and uh, and 
um, you know, I just just to say that with with the the, the intent to encourage everybody to stay positive across uh you know the nei landscape and, and we post pictures or or videos of other gyms uh your, your nation should not be to hate on that on the gym or the the attendance of those gyms or you know i think that people in the midwest are very very spoiled uh because of the fan bases they have even at the small college level and, and you're, you're a product of it out in indiana um you know you know i even uh, uh even grace and indiana wesley in this weekend in, in a game that you know, most of the students were at, were probably still gone. Um, you, you know, saw a packed gym, and and that, those are fun and awesome for those kids. Uh, but also those those schools that are are you know on the coast or or in in different climates. Um, you know, I just want to make sure people are, are understanding the fact that uh, while you may be spoiled and it may be awesome to have the fan base and crowds that you have, it's just not that way all the way across the country. Well, Pat, it's uh, great to to have our first uh, first episode in the twenty twenty three year. Uh, coming to a close, uh, I know that uh, this, this uh, fir- or the first semester was a lot of fun, but the uh, second semester as we wind down these last couple of months, uh, it's just going to be big time basketball. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start highlighting here on the on the website now. It's back up and running. Uh, some of these playoff pictures as we get closer to the conference tournament, and obviously we will be covering a lot of it. Pat and I will be talking a lot more in depth about conference specific games um, as the weeks come along. So. Uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, it was a great episode, and, and I'm glad we got a little bit of a history lesson there. Uh, for those of you that may not have known about the view of Francis, uh, this is Patton Jr. signing off.